Welcome to the Struggling Pastors Podcast, real conversations about ministry and life. My name is Tian Doan, and I am a struggling pastor. I want to welcome you back to the podcast. I'm really excited to announce that we have some really cool interviews lined up for, for the upcoming episodes. We're going to be talking to a, a local a local pastor, church planner, friend of mine here in Los Angeles. He pastors a healthy, growing church, and we're going to be talking about balance and rest, especially when, when ministry is so busy. And since we've been discussing the topic of burnout and emotional issues that pastors experience, I wanted to interview a Christian therapist who, who has experience working with pastors. So in a couple of weeks, we're going to um, hear from a friend of mine who um, has been working with, uh, with pastors. And um, then we're, we're also going to uh, talk to um, uh, an author of a book. Um, he's also a, a pastor and a therapist. And um, his book, his new book is about narcissism and how narcissism affects the church. So I'm really excited to get these quality guests on the show. So I, I look forward to sharing these conversations with you in the near future. Uh, but today it's it's just me. Um, my goal today is is just to share my heart with you and to encourage you. I you know I meet with a lot of pastors and I've been hearing a lot of stories from the battlefield. And just in the past couple of months, um, it's kind of heartbreaking. But two two more church plants in our network have closed down, and I I know how this feels. It's just really painful. I had to close down a church about, about 10 years ago and it, and it still hurts. You know, you feel like a failure. You're second guessing all these things. You're like, you know, you went into it cause you thought God was, was calling you to do this, but uh, you know, things didn't work out and you know, it's tough. It's tough. It's tough being a pastor. And I think one of the reasons why it's, it's tough is that no one really knows how it feels, um, to be a lead pastor, a senior pastor, like no one outside the ministry really knows what it feels like. There's a unique burden that comes with being the the lead pastor or or a church planner or solo pastor. Like other people just won't understand. And you know, even if you have a team with you, you have associate pastors and staff and, and other team members. Um, it's great. You can't do it alone, but. Even your associate staff, they they won't really understand the burden that you carry um, because the, the burden is is nonstop. It's it's constant. I'm reminded uh, of the words of the Apostle Paul in Second in Corinthians chapter eleven. Uh, he talks about the toil of ministry in verse 27, 28. He says, In toil and hardship. Through many sleepless nights in hunger and thirst, often without food and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. You know, the Apostle Paul talks about how, how tough it is and people just don't understand. He's, he says there's there's toil and hardship. He, earlier he talked about being shipwrecked and all this stuff. And he's he's saying, hey, there's sleepless nights. There's But you know what's really hard? He says the daily pressure of his anxiety for the church. And I, I feel that. I feel that. I don't, I don't know if you can relate to that. I can. There's been many sleepless nights, especially 
in this season, you might be experiencing sleepless nights. There's worry and anxiety. You know, uh, I, I know I've been worried about our finances and worried about people we haven't seen in a long time. It's like, what did we lose these people? You know, will these people come back? And the apostle Paul talks about the dailiness, the daily pressure. You know, there's all these people looking to you to know the answers, to, to give them hope, give them direction. And man, that's, that's a lot of pressure. Um, he talks about anxiety for the church. You know, you're worried about the health of the church. Uh, you're worried about the people, your sheep, uh, especially in this climate where there's all this crazy stuff going on. There's, there's the pandemic. Um, but e- even, even without the pandemic stuff, like, how do you, how do you help people navigate all this confusion with politics? Like, how do you deal with politics? How do you deal with, with racism? And, you know, how do you deal with division and all these different things that are happening in, in our, in our nation? And then throw on top of that, the pandemic and online ministry and, and getting together, you know, like there, there's just so much, you know, so much to be anxious about. But I don't know if you, you feel that way. Um, if you do, I just want to give you an encouraging word here for a second. I just want to tell you that, that you're not alone. You're not alone. If you feel that pressure, it's normal. It's part of ministry. There's, 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 some, there's not anything wrong with you if you feel that pressure. And that's why, that's why James tells us, he warns us, not many should become, become teachers. It's, it's hard. The, the job we have is hard, and most people will never understand the pressure that we are under. And, and that's, why, that's why I created this podcast, that, that we need a safe place to talk. We need a place to connect with other people who, who are where we're at. And, and that's what I hope this, this podcast would do for you. I, I want this to be a place of encouragement. And, you know, I plan to release these episodes on Mondays because, you know, right after the weekend, that's when a lot of pastors feel discouraged. They want to quit. So I'm hoping that you tune in on, on Mondays, that you look forward to at least listening to um, uh, to my thoughts or some interviews. And you just, I just want to, uh, you know, know my heart that, that I'm, I'm in the, in the foxhole, in the, in the trenches with you. Okay. So today is just going to be, just going to be me. And I want to encourage you with, um, a, a few thoughts that I, I've I've uh, been uh, toying with. You know, I, I don't want you to think of me as your boss or your supervisor. I'm not a I'm not a member of your church. You don't have to worry about me. I'm not I'm not part of your staff that you have to lead or or a deacon or elder at your church that you have to you have to figure out how to how to you know get on your on your side. Uh, I want you to think of me as kind of like a cheerleader, you know, or or someone in in your corner like like uh, Mick from, from Rocky or, or, or better yet, think of me as uh, Mr. Miyagi from the karate kid, you know, that I I've been where you are and I'm, I'm still going, I I'm still fighting my own fight, but I've learned a few lessons along the way that hopefully I could be helpful and encouraging to you. Um, so today I, I want to talk to you about the idea of renewal and revival. You know, we're in the middle of Lent, uh, preparing for for Holy Week, and I want to talk about uh, about renewal and revival, and not for your church, but for yourself, for your own soul. I a few weeks ago I um, I preached on Revelation chapter two uh, at my church, and you're probably familiar with. Um, 
what Revelations two and three, where where Jesus speaks to the seven churches, and in the section that I was preaching on, it was um, the first church. It was uh, Jesus challenging the church of Ephesus to get back in their spiritual groove. And I was just telling, I was just talking to our church about renewal, restoration, about how do we get back to, to you know, re-energize our, our faith. And as I was studying, as I was reflecting on it, um, after I preached this, I realized that what that that passage really wasn't a message for the church, that it was really a message for me, or, or it was a message for pastors. So let, let, me, read, let me read the text to you and uh, to give you um, some of my thoughts. And so Revelation chapter 2, starting with verse 1 through verse 7, it says, To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands. I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and have found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for the for my namesake and you do not you have not grown weary verse 4 but i have this against you you have abandoned the love you had at first remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the works you did at first if you do not i will come and I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. Yet this, uh, yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So let me give you some uh, observations that, that I realized after I preached this message. Um the first uh, observation is this, is, is, is pastor, let me talk to you specifically, pastor, Jesus is talking to you, not the congregation. Pastor, Jesus is talking to you, not your church. It, it starts, it says, to the angel of the church, write these things. And the word angel, we know is the word messenger and it's talking about, talking about the pastor. And these words are not given to the lay people in the pews. This, these words, these challenging, encouraging and challenging words were given to, to the leadership, the, to the pastor of that church. And uh, I don't know if it's Timothy at this time. I don't know who the pastor is. Um, but this wasn't, this wasn't written to the church. And I preach this so many times and I preach it for other people, for, for, for my members. But I realized Jesus was talking to me. He was talking to my soul. He says, um, like, I see, I know your works. I, I see your toil and I see your patient endurance. And, and so in this passage, Jesus says all these things. He uses these, these pronouns. He says, I know your works, your toil, your patient endurance. I know you can't bear with those who are evil. I know that you've been um, enduring patiently, bearing, like he's saying all these things. And if you do a little word study, 
all these pronouns that he's talking to isn't talking to the church. All these pronouns are second person singular. He's talking to you as the pastor. He's talking to the pastor of Ephesus, but but um, in extension, talking to us who are pastoring our churches. So, man, that just opened my eyes. This is this is not talking about how the church can back and get its groove back. It's talking to the pastor how the pastor could restore his 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 passion for for God. And uh, it did something to me when I, I when I realized that you know I've been I've been preaching this message to challenge my people, but it's really about me. God wants to challenge me, my heart. So that that's the first that's the first observation. That, that pastor Jesus is talking to you, not to your congregation. Second observation is that pastor Jesus sees all the good that you're doing, he sees. A lot of times we do things that that we wonder if people even notice what we do. If they see, you know, that does it really matter? Does it really matter um, if I get up and I I study hard? I you know work really hard on this sermon. I I, I know I feel guilty sometimes where I'm, I don't feel into it, and I go to my filing cabinet and I pull out an old sermon that I preached, you know. Uh, a while ago and and um you know i i feel like man i um, do people even know do they care can i just recycle something right but here it, it says it says jesus says i know your works i see what you're doing i know your toil i know your patient endurance i see that you 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 fight against evil it's so like, Pastor, Jesus sees how you protect your flock from, from bad theology, from, from wolves that come in. It's like I, I, he says he sees how faithful you've been. And that, that gives me comfort because it's really easy to feel un, unappreciated in the ministry. A lot of times it's easy to see, to think that no one sees or cares about what, what we do. You know, people, uh, people ask us like, pastor, what do you do all day? How do you spend your time? Like, do you, like, do you only work like a couple hours on the Sunday? Is that, is that how you, and, and people don't appreciate how hard, how hard this, this ministry, this job is, but Jesus sees and Jesus appreciates and he values what you do, pastor. He sees you toiling away at your sermon. He, he sees you carrying the burdens of your people. He sees, he appreciates your tenacity and, and how you keep getting up after you've been knocked down, that you're enduring faithfully. I just want to tell you, this is an encouragement that, Pastor, Jesus sees what, what you're doing. He values what you're doing. So that's a second observation. Third observation is that, Pastor, Jesus cares more about your heart than your ministry. That Jesus cares more about your heart than your ministry. Jesus cares more about you than what you can do for him. I know that as pastors, it's really easy for us to get our identities from from our role in ministry. You know, when, when ministry is going well, we feel good. When ministry slips a little bit, we feel terrible, and we identify with with our ministry. 
but that's not why we got into ministry. Not, not, not because of, you know, growth or wanting to get our name out there. Right. We got into ministry out of our love and our passion for, for Jesus. But somehow the thing that we, we, you know, we use to serve Jesus out of love, somehow ministry itself has become the thing that saps out our love for Jesus. So, Pastor, I just want to remind you that Jesus cares more about your heart than your ministry. In verse 4, it says this, and this is, you know, Jesus gives that compliment sandwich. You know, he, 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 he gives the uh, compliment on the front end and then a compliment on the back end. He says, you know, you, um, and, but right in the middle, right, the meat of the sandwich is this rebuke. Verse 4, he says, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So you have a, this is what I have against you. Like you've been showing up, you've been faithful, you've been preaching hard, you've been praying, you've been taking care of people. You've never taken a Sunday off. You never, you don't hardly go on vacations. You never take a day off. I see you're doing good work, but this is the thing that I have against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Other versions of the Bible say that you have forsaken your first love. And that's, that's really challenging. That's really, that's, that kind of hits me in a weird place. Like, man, God, God nailed me right there. You know, it, it's not that, it's not that we, or it's not that you have forsaken the gospel. It's not that you've been slacking at, at the ministry. Like you've been faithful. You've been patient. You've been persistent. You, you continue to keep showing up. You show up early. You leave late. You're doing all the stuff outwardly. But if you take a hard look at yourself, if you take an honest evaluation of your heart, one of the things that you'll see is that your passion for God is not where it used to be. That your passion for God, for God himself, not for the ministry. You know, we get, we get excited about, oh, when we see people grow, when we see baptisms, when we see, like, that, that gets us excited when we see um, conversions. But, but when was the last time you just got excited about God himself? Like, if you're honest, you're not excited about God himself, about a relationship with God. Like, you don't pray like you used to. Your heart isn't moved by the gospel as it once was. Remember when you, you first learned, like, the intricacies of the gospel about how much Jesus loved us? Right? Remember how, how it moved your heart to, to tears, to repentance? Like w- one of the things that happens when you're in ministry for a while is that we start serving God more out of a sense of duty rather than devotion. Like we, we, we do it because we have to. We do it because it's our job. And s- somehow our heart has gone cold. Right. And and it happens. It happens. It happens to all of us. You know, so the question is, like, how do we fix that? How do we get back? How do we restore our passion for God? How do we restore that lost passion? I mean, this is important because we, we set the tone for our church. You know, we set the example for our people. If we're not passionate about Jesus, it's going to show other people will see it and, and people take our their cues from us. So how do we fix this problem? 
Um, the way the way I explain it is this: I, I think what what Jesus is saying is he, um, it's it's a relationship thing. So the image that, that comes into my mind is is of a marriage, kind of a kind of a cold marriage. Like you, you know what I'm talking about. Like we we we've seen it. Uh, maybe we've been there personally, right? So so uh, imagine a marriage, right? A Christian couple that've been married 15 years, and things are okay. You know, no one's cheating on anyone. You eat dinner together. You raise kids together. You pay the bills. You go to church together. And, and things are quote fine. Like every like, there's not a problem. You still take a vacation as a family together. Like things are okay. But if you look deeper, there's something missing in the marriage. Like the, the marriage doesn't have the spark that it used to have. That that your passion and your and your love has kind of gone a little cold, right? So imagine imagine that marriage, right? Like 15 years in, this, this is, this is, you know, your marriage has, has lost kind of its zing, his, his passion, right? So a couple who, who's going through that, what do they do? Like, most likely they'll go see a counselor. Um, and if they go see a counselor, what would the counselor tell this couple about how do they, how do they fix things? So if they go see a counselor, uh, most likely the counselor will, will tell them, three things. The first thing that the counselor would, would sit him down is to say, Hey, why don't you tell me how do you guys first met? Like, how, how did he win you over? Uh, what, what did you see in her? What did you see in him? You know, how did you know that she was the one? And like, like, remember, like, think back to when you first met to when you first fell in love. Like, can you remember how it used to be? Remember why you got married? Remember, remember, um, you know, staying up late, talking on the phone with her and like, remember back to when it was good. Like, what was it like? What did you see in, in, in him or her? Right. So that's what the counselor would say. The first thing It's like, Hey, think back. What, what was it like? What made, what did you see in them? Right. So that's, that's, that's the first thing the counselor would say, remember. And then the second thing the counselor would probably say is, you know what? You got to commit to making some changes. That you can't just keep on doing what you've been doing because it's, it's, that's how you got here. You got to, you know, it's not working. Your relationship needs work. You got to work on it. It's not going to fix itself. And he's going to, the counselor is going to ask you like, are you committed? Are you willing to do what, what's necessary to change to get back to, to how it used to be? Right. So the second thing the counselor will try to get you to do is to commit to making some changes. And then, and then on the practical side, the counselor would ask, okay, um, what, can you tell me what you used to do when you first fell in love? Like, how did you win her heart? Like, what did you used to do? Like, do you, do, do you still take her on dates like you used to? Do you stay up late at night and ask her how she's doing? Like, maybe you should go back to doing what you used to do, that, that doing what it took to win her the first time. Like, go take her out to dinner or, or better yet, make her dinner. Like when's the last time you bought her flowers? When's the last time you compliment the way she looks and how, how nice her hair looks. And the counselor would say, Hey, why don't you just go back to doing what you used to do? Right. So, so that's, that's what a counselor would say to a marriage, to a couple who's struggling in their marriage. The counselor would tell the couple who wants to renew their, their passion. Number one, remember how things were. 
before. Number two, you got to commit to making some changes. Number three, just go back to doing what you used to do. Go back to doing what you did at first. And that's exactly what Jesus tells pastors, tells us in, in Revelations 2. In verse 5, Jesus says this. He says, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the things you did at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Right? So that's what Jesus tells us we need to do. He first, number one, the three R's, right? You could preach this. This, this will preach. Number one, remember. Number two, repent. Number three, redo. Remember, repent, redo. Number one, he says, remember from where you have fallen. It's like, remember how passionate you were about Jesus? Remember when you first got saved, you learned that God loved you and he had a plan for your life? Remember when God called you into ministry? You know, you, you got called into ministry because like, like the prodigal son, you were amazed at God's love and mercy. And what, why you got into ministry is that you wanted to serve him and you wanted to give, give him everything, right? He didn't demand it. It's just because you felt so loved and changed and grateful and full of gratitude. You're like, what can I do to serve this God? Right? Remember that. Do you remember feeling that? That you you didn't get it, you didn't get into it because you wanted to prove yourself or that you you needed security, you needed respect from people, you needed to you needed to preach or whatever. Like you didn't. That's not why you got in, in, into ministry. You got into ministry because you were just in love with God and you were full of gratitude. Because he saved you and he loved you. Okay? But, but somehow over the years, you started to transform from being the prodigal son, the younger brother, into becoming the older brother. That, that's, that's what ministry does to, to us. Over time, we become the older brother. Right. It's like, it reminds me of that Batman movie. I think Harvey Dent says that that something like um, you either die a hero or you live long enough to become the villain. Something like that. That over time, something happens that we st- we, we continue to serve, but but our heart's not in it anymore. And then we become like the older brother. You know, the older brother, he was always there. He always showed up. He was faithfully serving. He did his job. But it was joyless. You know, he was doing it with resentment. He says, all these years I've been slaving for you, Father. Right? He says, he says it, it was slaving. He was doing slave work. You know, he, he became bitter and resentful. He never stopped serving. He was always faithful. Right? But the whole time he was keeping score. And that's what made him mad when the younger brother came home. He's like, you, you celebrate him, but you, you don't even give me a goat. You never given me a goat to celebrate with my friends. I've been slaving for you all these years and you, you throw a party for him. And, and honestly, I struggle with this because, you know, every once in a while, and I struggle with it today, this morning, actually with feeling this, this comparison, like I was thinking about different people, ministries, um, uh, that God is blessing. And I'm like, God, how come, how come you're blessing them? 
you know like how come you you kill a fatted calf for them but i've been i've been slaving for you all all these years and you've never given me a goat a goat and you know something happens right you, we we go from being the younger brother to the older brother and i just want to say that we need to remember what it was like being the prodigal son who was welcomed back home like you got you got to remember from where you have fallen like we got to stop being the older brother and remember what it was like to to run home to our father with guilt and shame and feeling unworthy and how the father saw us and he ran up to us and he hugged us and he kissed us. He forgave us and he blessed us. He restored us back to, to community, to, to dignity. He welcomed us back with, with open arms and he, he threw this celebration, this party. Like we, we just got to remember, we got to remember what it was like. Remember your passion. Remember your motivations when you first started in ministry. So, Pastor, that's the first step. If you're struggling, if you're discouraged, remember from where you fall. Remember, remember when you first got into ministry. How you you were just doing it out of love. You didn't care. You didn't care about money or how many people would show up. You didn't care about reputation. You just did it out of love. Right? So remember from where you have fallen. And then number two, repent. Repent. You got to commit to making some changes because if you don't change anything, nothing will change. If you want things to be different in your life, you have to be willing to make some changes. So, Pastor, I just want to say if you really want to change, if you want things to be different, you got to commit to doing whatever's necessary. You got to repent. Repentance starts from uh, with admitting. That, that you're not where you, you want to be. It's saying, you know what? I gotten sidetracked and I am not. I don't, I don't want to be here. This, this, this road is leading me in the wrong trajectory. And repentance is admitting you're on the wrong path. And that's where it starts. And then it's committing to doing whatever it takes, whatever is necessary to get back on the right path. You know, I, I, I teach about this thing I, I, um, I created called the life change formula. Life change formula. It has three elements. I call it DVR. You think about, you know, recording something on, on the TV. DVR. DVR stands for dissatisfaction, vision, and responsibility. That if you want to make change, if you want to change your life, you need DVR. You need dissatisfaction. You, you, need, to, you need to not like where you currently are. You need to be dissatisfied with your current situation. You're like, I don't want to be here. You know, my heart's not right. And then V stands for vision, that you need a clear picture of where you want to go. It's like, I need to get back to, to being near the father. I need to get back to, to that, that picture of the prodigal son coming home and just that joy in his heart of being accepted, right? And that's the vision. And then responsibility, that's the repentance part. It's the commitment of doing whatever is necessary. So repent, commit to making changes, right? DVR, dissatisfaction, vision, responsibility. And leads us to the, our, our third point about really getting practical. Okay, I, I want to repent. I want to make changes. What changes should I make? And this is our third R uh, is redo, right? Three R's, remember, repent, and then redo. In the, uh, 
in end of verse five, Jesus says this. He says, "And do the works you did at first. Right? How, how do you how do you get back to? It's like just do what you used to do. Just go back and do what you used to do. Right? Think about when you first started in ministry, or think about when you even 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 not even about ministry when you first started following Jesus and when you started growing." in love with Jesus. What did you used to do? Like you used to wake up early and read the Bible and pray and not for sermon prep. You you didn't have a sermon to prepare. No one was going to know what you studied. You weren't studying to regurgitate for other people. You were just doing this because you wanted to know Jesus better, right? Like, why don't you, why don't you start there? Why don't you get up and, and read something that you're not going to preach on? Just, just you and Jesus. Right, you used to be curious and ask questions and and read the Bible and and just sit and ponder and meditate, but but now you don't have time for that because you're you're an, you're an expert now. You know you got degrees by your name, like you know it all, and and you've lost the curiosity, you lost the wonder. You used to sing praises to God. And this one is actually really hard for me because this is something that I've lost. I remember I used to love just singing praise to God. Now, I can't sing. I'm a terrible singer, but I used to love those hour-plus-long worship uh, meetings and all that. Like, I used to love it. I didn't care how bad I, uh, badly I sang. But, but now, you know what? Singing is hard for me because singing at... Like I don't sing at my church because I I'm I'm distracted. I'm stressed out. I'm worried about my sermon. I'm worried about the announcements. I'm worried about about the volunteers. I'm worried about, you know, all these things going on. And during the time of congregational singing, I don't sing because I'm looking at my notes. I'm thinking about all these things. And so the question is like, when was the last time you got away and just sang praises to God? Like for me, to be honest, it's been a while. And and this has convicted me that I need to just, you know, turn off the podcast and turn on some praise songs and just sing. Just sing to God. Right. Other things that you used to do. Um, what about what about meeting with with other people for accountability and encouragement? You know, that you you, you used to meet with people that would you know, sharpen you and challenge you. Now, now you're the expert and no one challenges you. You have no accountability. You have no one encouraging you. You have no one cheering you on because everyone just assumes you're doing well and you don't have a person spurring you on towards love and good deeds anymore. Right. We would say that that is absolutely necessary for, for disciples in our church to grow in that, you know, community of people to spur you on. But what about us? What about you, Pastor? When's the last time you met with other people who just cared for your soul and asked you those hard questions about your soul? How about how about when was the last time you spent time alone with God just for yourself? That you went away on a on a retreat, you went away for a, a Sabbath in deep prayer, just seeking God. And not deep prayer for others, not deep prayer for the church, not deep prayer for revival in the nation, just for you. When was the last time you got alone, an extended time alone? Right. So, I mean, think about all the things that you used to do when you first 
first got into ministry or you first fell in love with Jesus, like think about, make a list. Just do the things you did at first. Do the things you did at first. So pastor, that's, that's my encouragement to you. I just want to remind you that, Pastor, God cares more about your heart than your ministry. Uh, This is actually your first ministry. Don't forget that. The most important person that you have to shepherd is yourself. You have to shepherd your own soul. Don't ignore this. Because because if we do, Jesus warns us right there at the end of verse 5. He says, if not, if you don't repent, if you don't redo the things you did at first... He says, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. And I'm, I'm convinced that this is why we see a lot of pastors quitting and churches closing down. Is, you know, it's not that ministry is hard because, because it's, it's, ministry is always hard. And I, I think a lot of pastors are quitting and churches are closing down is because the pastors have lost their first love. And I want to challenge you, pastor, don't, don't let this be you, right? Don't let Jesus, don't, don't force Jesus to come and remove that lampstand, right? To take that church away from you, right? He'll do it because he loves you because sometimes the church serving at the church gets in the way of of your relationship with him, right? It becomes our our idol that we we look for for our identity, for our security. Right? I, I know how it is. I, I I've been there. So, Pastor, this is my challenge. My challenge to you. Don't let serving Jesus get in the way of loving Jesus. Like, don't do it. It is so easy. That's the temptation. And it happens every day that we let serving Jesus get in the way of loving Jesus. Don't don't let that happen. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. So that's just my words of encouragement to you. Thank you for listening to the Struggling Pastors podcast. My name is Tian Doan, and I hope this has been helpful to you. If you found it helpful, I appreciate if you would share this podcast with a fellow struggling pastor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Let me close with a Bible verse, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Pastor, do not give up. Until next time, God bless you.